and servanthood. And we, I really think when James wrote this, I really wish he would have wrote this part first because I think the other parts would have made more sense to us. Because what we hear today from James is this idea that the Christian faith is not just about hearing. It's not just about reading. It's about doing. Here's the great thing. I'm not talking about a list of things you got to check off in order to be, uh, I did this, so I'm going to heaven. I did this, I'm a good Christian. I did this. Look, what we really see is that the accomplished work was Jesus on the cross. We just to get to partake of it. We get to be a part of it. And part of being a part of it is doing the work of the Lord. One of the things that you may remember, and we don't see it as much nowadays, the logo tends to take care of it for us. Can we, can we do we have a screen working to where we can pop up? Pop up uh, the, the title slide for me for just a second. Actually, can we skip it and go to the checkmark logo? You didn't see that on there? There you go. When you see that, what do you think? But what's the state statement? I heard it. Just do it, right? That's the statement that Nike came up with in 1988. 1988. If you were, if you were not alive in 1988, would you raise your hand? <laughs> I feel really old. Um, the reality is in 1988, Nike came out with this idea, just do it. Nike has not always been the powerhouse that they are now. In fact, in the 80s, Reebok was king. How many of you remember wearing Reebok? Some of you might wear them today. I got some at home. Reeboks were king because they were focusing on the aerobics. Now, aerobics are something we don't do a whole lot anymore. We've given them other names like P90X and, and uh, I don't know, dance to get thin, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what they call it anymore. But aerobics, my mother was an aerobics instructor. She did aerobics. She taught aerobics at a gym. Aerobics was the front kick. I mean, you did all this stuff. And that's a bad example, but you did all this stuff, and that Reebok was making a ton of money selling to people doing aerobics. And Nike's like, we've got to figure this out. What do we do? What do we do? People aren't going and running marathons. People aren't, aren't out doing cross training. They're dancing to the, sweating to the oldies. Some of you may remember that. That's what people were doing. And so Nike said, you know what? We need to create this idea. This, this idea that says to people, when somebody says it's too tough, you know what you do? You just do it. When somebody says you're not strong enough to lift that weight, you know what you do? You just do it. And so they put forth this whole campaign on just do it. They started off with Bo Jackson, probably the greatest athlete of all time that some of you have never heard of. Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan. You know Michael Jordan. He's better than LeBron. Sorry. But he, these two guys, they built the campaign on these two guys that just do it. Quit talking about it and just do it. Well, now they've gone to people like LeBron James and Russell Wilson and, and these big superstar athletes. And what I found funny is the last commercial I watched for Russell Wilson where he was promoting Nike, he was carrying a big stone ball. And I thought, that has nothing to do with football. But the idea behind it is no matter what obstacle stands in front of you, no matter how hard it is, 
no matter how many people tell you you can't do it, no matter how many people look at you and go, you're crazy, the idea is just do it. Can I tell you, Nike came up with that phrase in 1988, but around the year 50 or 60, James came up with it. The Word of God said, just do it. Stop talking about it and do it. Would you stand with me this morning as we read the Word of the Lord together? If you're able to stand, please do. If you can't, we understand. But starting in verse 19 of James chapter 1, the Word of the Lord reads this way. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Father, today as we open your word to study, to God, to grow from it, God, to to not just be hearers, God, to be followers, obedient, God, doers of your word. Father, would you eliminate the distractions? God, would you eliminate the inner thoughts? God, would you eliminate the, Lord, the doubts? And just remind us that you're God and you're good. And that every part of your word is meant to grow us and stretch us and teach us and make us into the image of your son, Jesus. Father, would you hide this preacher behind the cross of Christ? And let only your spirit speak. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. The reason I feel like James, maybe, maybe of course, this is God's word, so no, there's no mistakes in it. But I really wish James would have wrote it first, this part first. Because it would be so much easier to come to this part and go, all right. James tells us to do the Word of God and then go, okay, let's face trials. Let's face temptations. Let's battle them with God's Word. Because we've pretty much laid that out every week. We talked about being a servant. How do we serve? Get in the Word of God. How do we face trials? We get in the Word of God. How do we face temptations? We stay in the Word of God. And so we come to this portion now where we've talked about it for three weeks. We're like, stay in the Word, stay in the Word, stay in the Word. Oh, study the Word, know the Word, memorize the Word. And we come to this part, and it's like James says, 
do the word. And you're like, but I've been studying it and I've been reading it. How do I got it? Why I got to do it now? Can I just tell you that's a natural overflow? If you're studying and you're reading and you're memorizing, there's a natural overflow. And that overflow is due. I'm going to jump around. I haven't I got to point two and I ain't got point one in yet. The idea starts off with this. So James is trying to get the church. And he's, how do we know this is a church? He says, my beloved brethren. He's not talking to lost folks. Can I tell you, lost folks do lost folk things. The problem is the church is too often doing lost folk things. Hello. That'll get me another ugly letter this week. <laughs> Reality for us is this. Is that if we're believers... We should live like it. <laughs> what a novel idea. See, James wants us to understand some things. The first thing he wants us to do is, is something I've mentioned already, and we've already talked about it for the last several weeks. He wants us to receive the Word of God. He wants us to receive the Word of God. Back in verse 19, it says, now, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to listen. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God. See, the implanted word because it is able to save your souls. Can I tell you one thing we've got to do? We've got to be people who are willing to learn. You've got to be a teachable individual. I know we have some people in the room who have been school teachers, some that still are. You ever had that student that knows everything? I was that guy. I knew everything. All of it. I would sit there and argue with you all day long that I was right. In fact, I remember thinking at one point that I had learned everything I could possibly learn. I know. You're astounded, just as I am. I was 21 years old. I was on my way back to uh, college to tell them I had learned everything. And I remember calling Mama. She always wanted me to call her when I got close to, close to college. And so I called her. I was stopping off to get a, at Crystal's to get a sack full because I'm a chubby kid. And I would pull it over. And I called her and I said, Mama, I just think I have learned everything there is to learn. Oh, no, see, it gets, it gets worse. <clears throat> I said, about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> You wonder why I'm bald. <laughs> now, and my mother, and she probably does not remember this because we've all slept since then, but she said to me, she said, what color were his eyes? I said, I don't know. She said, well, then you don't know everything. Can I tell you, that James was speaking to his brethren, and he looks at them and he tells them, you don't know it all. So you know what you need to do? You need to be quick to listen. 
You need to be quick to listen. Often when we are, someone's talking to us, you know what we're doing? We're thinking about what to say back, aren't we? <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've sit across, you know, when I was doing student ministry, sit across from a kid, and they would tell me all their problems. I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness, if you ever stop talking, I'm going to tell you how to fix it. Because I've just got in my mind how to fix it. I'm, I'm coming up with ideas. And I know I'm not the only one that's done this when you're in a prayer group or a prayer circle. You're not praying and listening to what they're praying. You're coming up with, okay, well, they said that. I can't say that. And you're saying, how do I look holier than them? i got to come up with another statement. Some of you are nodding. Some of you are like, never. Can I just say, the, when he says you got to be quick to listen, the statement has been made that you've got Two ears and one mouth. Because you need to listen more than you need to talk. And some of you have the habit of inserting foot when you open mouth. Can I tell you, the rabbis used to say this, that your ears are open, but your tongue is hidden behind your teeth. It is important to receive the word. Why do you come to worship? Why do you come to this time? I know it's not because I'm the greatest. Or because I'm the best looking. I have seen what I look like. But it's this reason. You come to hear the word of God. Not to hear me. But to hear God speak. And he says, listen, you need to be quick to listen. You know that you only remember 10% of what you hear? Scientists say you only remember about 10% of what you hear. The reason for that is because you're too busy thinking about saying something. See, James reminds us as believers that we have to live a life that is influenced by the Word. He says, listen, God's Word's got to be implanted into your life. Implanted. Now, see, here's, here's what we do. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, trying to be, I'm trying to be nice, okay? A lot of us have a habit of not opening this book until we come into this building. And I'm not trying to throw stones. I've been there. I've been in that place in my life where the only time I opened this book was when I walked into this building. If you want to receive the word, it's got to be planted into you. You can't have roots grow if it's not planted. And see, when roots grow, Oh, see, here's the beautiful thing. When roots grow, what comes out? Fruits produced. Oh, is that not how the Bible says that we'll, they'll know we're believers? By the fruit we produce? By the love we share? We've got to let the Word be implanted into us. See, in Jeremiah 31, 33, this is what the Word of God says. It says, for this is the covenant that I make with the house of Israel. That after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. See, James says that when the word's implanted in us is, is when salvation comes. I do remind you that in John 1.14, we find out that Jesus is the word. And what do we, what's this often this saying that we need to ask Jesus into our hearts it's not biblical but it's a fun thing to say and call jesus into our lives if you want to receive the word you got to call jesus to be a part of your life 
you got to invite Him to be your Savior, to be your Master, to be in charge. See, the Word's always good. Can I tell you, the soil's not always so good. You've heard the, the parable of the sower in Matthew. It says that the sower sows a seed. And it says some seed sprouts quickly. And then when the sun comes, oh, it burns it out. You know what that sun can be? Trial. It just burns it out. And it says that some, oh, some seed's planted, and, and before it gets a chance to grow, it's killed by other weeds. You know, you know what I like to think that is? It's temptation. And then James tells us that the word's got to be planted, and Jesus comes across at the last one, and he says, oh, some lands on good soil. Oh, and it yields sometimes tenfold, sometimes thirtyfold, sixty, and even a hundred. See, when God's word is planted into our lives, it changes us. It makes us new, but see, we've got to be prepared for it. And here's a problem. This is the problem. How does good soil come about? I'm so glad y'all asked that question. I was thinking all week, I hope they asked that question. Here's how good soil comes about. He says, listen, you've got to receive the word with meekness. Can I tell you, meekness is not a word in the American vocabulary anymore. People see meekness or humility as a sign of weakness. Can I tell you that God sees it as a sign you're ready to do something for him? Good soil comes by meekness and humility. See, this is what the Lord says in Psalm 18, 27. The word says this, you have saved the humble people. You know who's hard to save? Proud people. Because proud people think one of two things. Either they think that they don't need a Savior, or they think they're their own Savior. I am not good enough to save myself. Ask my kids, they'll tell you. I'm not. I'm not good enough to save myself. But what I had to be told when I was 15 years old was I had to be told that I needed saving. I had to be told that, that if I wanted to inherit eternal life then I had to do something other than just check boxes off. That I had to be willing to say I'm a sinner. I had to be willing to repent. And I tell you, that's one of the most humbling things in the world to say and you're sorry. That's why we don't say it often enough. That's why often enough, when we've done something wrong, we still want to go back to what we did a couple weeks ago and blame somebody else. Well, yeah, I messed up, but it's their fault. Humility says, no, you have a place, you have a power to make your own choices, and you chose wrong. James says that if we want to be saved by God's power, we have to humble ourselves. 
verse that I've heard quoted more in the last 20 years than I've ever heard before. Second Chronicles. Right? If God's people will humble themselves, that's the problem. I'm just going to be honest with you. We've done a lot of building up of ourselves and not enough bowing of the knee. To submit to God and say, God, I want your word to be in my life. Are there parts of God's word that are hard? Yeah. Are there parts that aren't encouraging? Yeah. (laughs) But it's still God's word. Saying Timothy tells us that it's all meant to grow us. It says all scriptures God breathed. And it's profitable. And it's for good work. And it's to change us and mold us and make us. But see, it can't do that if we don't receive it in. If we don't take it in. But see, here's what happens when we, when we receive the word. Is we have to learn to reflect on the word. Reflect on the word. That's the second one today. Look at it with me in verse 21 and we'll go to 20. We'll actually skip 22. We're going to go 21, 23 through 25. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And jump down to 23. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. See, James says, look, when we look at God's Word, when we peer into the truth of God's Word, you know what we see? We see the imperfections in us. Why do you think we have mirrors everywhere? To look at ourselves. Right? Last night, I'm just going to... Forgive, I didn't ask permission for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'll ask forgiveness later. But last night, I'm getting ready to go to bed, and I turn off the lights in the bedroom, and I lay down, and I'm like, there's still a light. Where is this light coming from? And I look over there on Rachel's vanity, and she's got a makeup mirror that's lit up, and then a smaller makeup mirror attached to it, and then there's a mirror behind it. Are we we that forgetful about our imperfections that we need that many mirrors to look at ourselves? And I pick at her, but I want to say this. I I shave this thing every Sunday. I get up on Sunday mornings, and I put a handful of shaving gel, and I rub it in. I put it all over my face, and I put it on my head. And you, you right now, if you were close enough to see, you could tell there are places that I have, like, missed because I'm not really good at this. I've got spots, like I can feel right now on my head, like spots where I've missed hair. Can I tell you, I've looked at this same head for almost 40 years. I know what it looks like. But I keep missing things. I keep missing things. And I read this passage the first time, and I was like, who can look in a mirror and forget what they look like? And then I read it again, and I read it again, and I read it again. And I said, oh, it's me. I can look in a mirror and forget what I look like. Because when I look at the Word of God, it tells me some things. 
Paul looks at me. Paul says, oh, <laughs> precious creation of God, you're a sinner. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. And I read further over to Paul, and Paul goes, hey, you're weak. I'm going to appreciate that. Then look over into, into Jesus' own words, where he calls people who think they're religious vipers and children of Satan. And I look and I go, sorry, Lord. I begin to have to look at God's word and see that I fall short. See, here's the problem. He says, when you have the word implanted in you, he says, you've got to take off the filth. You've got to take off the death rags. You've got to rip off the old weight and put on the, the Christ that I've sent to you to save you. If we're so willing to stay in the flesh, then can I tell you, you've never truly looked at Jesus. My fear, my great, great fear is that we only look to the Word for encouragement and not for training to righteousness. See, a mirror shows our true selves. Unless you're in one of the funhouse mirrors, then it shows your true self. Some things I just should keep in my head and not come out my mouth. But when you look in a mirror, it really shows you what you look like. It reveals all the warts and all the wrinkles and all the blemishes. And James says, look, someone who's truly, truly desiring God will look in the mirror, see their faults, and fix them. I'm going to pick again on somebody in my family. I love my son, but he has 300 cowlicks on his head. And he has the world's worst time brushing his hair. I've told him I could fix it. <laughs> right, brother? But he ha he'll brush his hair. He'll brush his hair when it's wet. And then when it dries, it's like, <laughs> and he'll be like, I can't, can't fix it. I can't get it right. You know what a lot of times he does? He just gives up. He just gives up. Can I tell you, if you look into God's Word, and God's Word says to you, hey, this part of your life is wrong, fix it, and you go, eh. Then can I tell you, you're abusing the grace of God. Instead of living by the truth of the word. It's time to fix. It's time to fix what's broken. It's time to, to recognize a need for Jesus. Because I tell you this. You can put on all the. You can put on all the hairspray. And you can do all the makeup. And you can have all the surgeries you want to. It won't fix sin. You think, oh, I'm going to hide this. I love it. I love it. And my little girls, my girls are learning so much about makeup right now. But I love when one of them gets a, y'all going to get mad at me. I love when one of them gets a pimple. 
And then they try to cover it up with makeup. Like it's still there. You can only hide so much of your sin. Jesus knows what's going on. It says in Luke, oh, what's been done in the dark will be seen in the light. You can't hide sin. Psalm 119, 130 says this, says the unfolding of your word gives light and it imparts understanding to the simple. That's why I'm always thankful for God's word because I know I'm not the brightest person. But God's word teaches me so much. The issue that James is trying to, to push into the believers is this, that when our sin is exposed to the word, something's got to be done. Or as James is probably saying in modern terms, just do it. <laughs> just be willing to take that step. If we see something needs to be fixed, then let the Holy Spirit fix it. You see, here we've got the idea that we receive the Word. We reflect on the Word. And the last one is we respond to the Word. Respond to the Word. See, James has this continuing idea all throughout this passage. He says, listen, you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Then he says, you need to do what God's Word said. Don't just hear it. Do it. Don't just listen. Follow through. How many times have you said, I'm going to change this in my life, and when things got tough, you just stopped? I can't tell you how many diets I've started in the last 20 years. You know how many I've finished? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> the reality for us is this, is that we have to understand that we cannot just talk about change. We've got to be change. We've got to take action. See how strange it is that James would say this almost 2,000 years ago when I would say it's the same thing plaguing the church today. It's the same thing plaguing the church today. Talk about loving one another, right? Love one another. How beautiful. How great. What, a, what an amazing idea. Love one another. But it's election season. Lord, after November the 3rd, I will love them. I say that to jest, but can I just tell you, it's real. You can't turn on, I can't watch anything on my television without hearing about this Senate race. I feel bad for everybody. I don't... Ugh. And trust me, I'm not going, politics and pulpit aren't mixing. I'm not going to talk about politicians. But just listen. We talk about loving one another, but so often we treat each other with disdain or treat each other not with hatred, but just with nonchalant attitude. We see a brother or sister in need, and we walk across side to the other road, other side of the road. We've got to respond. To God's word. We can't just sit here and listen. We've got to do. I'm going to go ahead and tell you as a pastor, if the things I share to you from God's word, if it does not somehow affect you before you come back next week, then I just want to go ahead and tell you something happened. Because God's word says it doesn't return void. 
So either you didn't listen or you didn't do anything with what you listened to. Now, I want to go ahead and confess, I am not Billy Graham. (laughs) I get that. But God's word is God's word. It needs to touch your life when it's open. Respond to God's word. One of the things that that I think we have to get, and I I, want to say this because I I want us to be honest and, and just upfront about something. When it comes to this verse here in verse 27, when it says religion that is pure and undefiled before God, can I tell you the word religion's got some bad, a bad rap? Yes, we are all about relationship. Yes, that's, that's the phrase that's been going around in the, in the Christian world for a while now. Is we're not about religion, we're about relationship. Well, can I tell you, relationship is right, but if religion's done right, guess what it leads to? Relationship and religion go hand in hand. Because religion's how you fulfill that relationship. It's how you put feet to the faith that you claim. One of my favorite verses is 1 John 3.18. It says, Dear children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in truth and in action. How sad would it be if Jesus would have came for all humanity, would have come and spent 33 years here on earth, and he told us how we need to love the Father, we need to love one another, we need to serve one another, and then it came time for the cross, and he said, check please. I love them, but not enough to die. How sad would that be? You know what? We wouldn't be here right now. But see, that's the problem. We're extension of God's God's kingdom, we're extension of Jesus' ministry. And we have a really good time of looking at people and saying, I love you. I'm going to pray for you. And then two weeks later, they say, oh, I just want to let you know my procedure went real well. And you go, what? what? Oh, the one you pray- oh, the one I prayed for, yep, that I completely forgot about. Or we see a brother or sister in need, and we just back up and say that's somebody else's job. That's somebody else's problem. See, religion's gotten a bad rap because of things that people have done in religion's name. I just want to tell you that I don't do anything in the name of religion. I do it in the name of Jesus. Yesterday, I saw a great many folks show up over at Yale and Maybeth's can I tell you, they were doers of the word, not just hearers. Because we're to love people in need. I know a few weeks ago there was a group that showed up over at Stands to help a need, because that's how we love one another. I know they don't want recognition, but I've had people show up at my house lately bringing me all kinds of yard equipment. And you know what I've said to them? I said, thank you. And they say, don't thank me, thank Jesus. We've had food show up constantly. Look, I get it. I need to insulate for winter. (laughs) I get it. But it's not because you want to check off a box, but it's because you have genuine love for one another and for us. See, when we respond to the word, we put feet to our faith. 
I am so thankful. I'm looking around today and seeing people that are here for family members who've been baptized, people who are here just because they showed up, and people that are here every week faithfully, and, and I'm thankful. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful for you, but you know what Jesus needs? He doesn't need a warm spot in a pew. He needs people to go be his hands and his feet. And that's responding to the word of God, not just to hear it, but to do it. Uh, I told you earlier that you retain 10% of what you hear. Some of you don't remember that because that's not the part you're going to hear. We also read that you, you remember 20% of what you read. Did you know that? 20% of what you read, you retain, which explains why I had a real hard time comprehending things when I read them. But do you know you remember 80% of what you see? 10% of what you hear. 20% of what you read, but 80% of what you see someone else doing. You want to save a generation beneath you? Show them how to do life. Show them how to follow Jesus. Don't just yell at them and tell them. <laughs> Can I tell you, nobody's ever been yelled into heaven. I've tried it. Doesn't work. You're only going to remember 10% of what you hear. So if you're only going to remember 10% of what you hear, I want you to hear this. Jesus saves, follow him, and show other people. You can tune the rest of it out. But 20% of what you read, so guess what? If you're listening, you got 10%. If you're reading, you got 20. I'm not great at math, but that's 30. And if you're living it out, Now, let's see if she can figure this one out. What's 30 plus 80? 110, brother helped her out. <laughs> so if you want people to really get the gospel, if you really want them to get this Jesus we speak of, if you really want them to learn to walk in obedience, you need to listen, you need to read it, and you need to live it. 110%. I always heard, give 110%. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to listen to it. And if I don't live it out, then I don't expect you to. 110%. I can promise you this. From the back of the balcony to the front pew to the people watching on a live stream right now, if we live 110% of our lives is focused on Jesus. Six people in a baptistry will be a sad Sunday. Because we'll have hundreds lined up saying, I want to know this Jesus. I want to serve this Jesus. I want to follow this Jesus. Do you want that? Oh, I really thought I'd get like, yeah! Do you want that? <laughs> okay, church, you just said you wanted it. So let's do something. Let's just do it. Oh, you, oh, this is what you just proclaimed you want. You want people to come to know Christ. You want people to live in accordance to God's Word. Then just do it. Just listen. Just read. Just do. 
I'm telling you, the reason the church has lost its stance in the last, I don't know, 100 years is because we've been too uh, hmm, lazy. Mm-hmm, lazy. And I'm not pointing fingers at you. My hands are in my pockets because it's me too. I get it. Yeah, I'm getting looks. I'm getting scowls. I love you. Jesus saves, not me. I'm going to tell you right now, though, if you're putting God's word into your life, it's going to change who you are. And if you're the same person now as when you got saved, then I want to tell you, you're not in God's word. We read in the word, <laughs> they say, oh, it's so sad that some of you are still drinking milk when you should be chewing on meat. If you're spending time reading, if you're spending time reflecting, letting God's word change you, and then you're taking it out of the pews and out to the people, you're different. But I start saying this. It starts with me. I'm not asking you to do anything that God's not working on me to do. God's kicking me upside the head every week. And I'm really, Lord, I think I might jump out of James. He says, you better not. I want to tell you today, if you're letting sin ruin your life, get in the Word. If you're looking in at yourself and you're seeing, yes, Lord. <laughs> if you're letting sin ruin your life, then I encourage you to get in the Word. If you see sin in your life and it doesn't bother you, you've, you've pushed the Spirit out. Invite the Spirit to come back in. But if you are living and loving the Lord, you'll love people. And you won't be able to sit there and watch folks suffer without Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus, Jesus was in that garden. He was praying. He said, Lord, not my will, but your will. But Lord, if, you have, if it's your will that I die, then I will go. <laughs> and that was the call. And I could just see Jesus say, all right, let's just do it. Let's go. Christians, it's time for us to do it. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. Let's pray. Father God, we ask you during this time, would you draw us near to you? God, would you remind us of our need for you? Lord, this week you have just painted it all over me. You said, I, you got to start doing. You got to quit talking and start following through. Lord, no matter what it is, whether it's I want to be a better father, it's time for me to stop talking and do it. Whether it's I want to be a better witness, it's time to stop saying it and start doing it. Lord, we're called to, to put 
feet to the faith that we claim to be the hands of Jesus. And I ask today that you would teach us that. That you would move us. That you'd make us in the image of Christ. My Jesus, I want to thank you, Lord, that my Jesus didn't just sit. He saved. It's in the name of that Jesus that I pray. Amen. Would you stand for a time?